0: episode 128
1: late night internet
0: marketing this week on the late night internet marketing podcast we unpack 11 killer copywriting tips that are going to make you a better marketer that's right by the end of this episode you'll be a better marketer all this and more on the late night internet marketing podcast
1: Internet and marketing podcast You've been working for somebody else But you want a business to run yourself You wanna know how to start and where to begin Can you get out your comfort zone my friend Yes You can do it right when it's late at night Your business one night at time.
0: And now, broadcasting late at night from a little studio in the big state of Texas, your host, Mark Mason. Hey, 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 I hope you're having an absolutely amazingly fantastic day. I am your host, Mark Mason, coming to you live from Dallas, Texas. Well, it's a podcast, so I'm live at the moment. But chances are you're probably listening to this sometime in the future. It's been a fantastic February here in Dallas. Really been crazy warm. We were out playing basketball last night in shorts and t-shirts. We had kids versus dads, and uh, that was great. The kids are 10 years old. The dads are really, really old. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, that's why my voice is a little bit on the horse side, because... I'm just still recovering from yelling, go old people. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and I hope you are similarly having fun wherever you are. I hope it's not too terribly cold. I hope you haven't been caught in all the crazy weather on the East Coast this month, and I hope things are warming up for you a little bit. I definitely want to heat things up for you today with these 11 copywriting tips that you're going to be able to put to use in your business or whatever it is that you do. We're doing copywriting all the time. and In fact, we're doing marketing all the time. In fact, I would say most of what we do is marketing. And I know that you hear that a lot of time, that everything is marketing, and marketing is most of what you need to do to be successful in any kind of business. But I think it really is super important. I want to give you an example. My wife is an amazing pseudo amateur photographer. And I say amateur photographer, pseudo amateur photographer, because she has professional photography equipment, very, very high end. We shoot Canon. Now, all of you Nikon people out there don't stop listening. This is going to be all about Canon, but we do shoot Canon. We have a lot of very good Canon gear that we use or that she uses to shoot fantastic photographs and mostly as as a super mom, her subjects are are fantastic children, but she's recently gotten into shooting birds, and she, she likes to shoot landscapes, doing all kinds of stuff like that. She's taken over a quarter million pictures in the last few years, and as the IT professional in my house, I am responsible for making sure that those pictures get backed up. So, One of the things about camera equipment, if you don't know this, one of the things about it is it's incredibly expensive. At least that's how I feel about it. And particularly lenses. Lenses are finely crafted pieces of glass. And they look, the pieces of glass in a lens can have various shapes, but they look like stacks of very precisely crafted pieces of glass, like out of a magnifying glass, those kinds of of pieces of glass. They're refractive lenses, and they're incredibly expensive to manufacture to really, really high tolerances. And so when you buy a really good lens, it's been essentially handcrafted. A lot of machines involved, but it's really a hand-aligned, handcrafted thing where lots of technology has been used to build this thing but it's a it's a serious piece of equipment and these lenses can cost thousands of dollars because of the way they're manufactured and so when you buy a lens especially if you're an amateur photographer and again I use that term just to stay just to say that my wife doesn't make money with her photographs she does it as something that she loves That's pretty much the only thing that's amateur about her pictures. Whenever you buy a lens, it's a big commitment. You know, you're spending thousands of dollars on this piece of gear, and lenses are the kind of thing that oftentimes you'll have sort of a personal relationship with. Not only will they be either perfect or not for the thing that you're doing, you get attached to these lenses. And so it's hard to decide what lens to buy next sometimes. And so what we do oftentimes, is we rent lenses before we buy them so we can test them out. So circling back around to marketing, there is this company that she rents lenses from, and I cannot get over the kind of marketing that this company does after the sale. The name of the company is ATS Camera Rentals, and you can find their very, very nice website at ATS rentals.com that's a is in apple t is in tom s is in sam rentals.com and their slogan is dedicated to the details and they rent video cameras and lenses and other and, and regular cameras and other expensive production equipment like that and this can be very helpful If you're wanting to try a lens before you buy, like what we're doing, or if you've got a big job coming up and maybe you're a freelancer and you don't want to buy the gear that you need to cover this big job so you can rent it from ATS. So capital equipment rental is not something new. This is something that's been going on for a long, long time. In fact, uh, big companies like GE have had entire divisions dedicated to leasing capital equipment, and so this business idea is not a new idea, but the way ATS is delivering customer service and doing their marketing is quite amazing. And I'll just give you two examples that I think you might find instructive for whatever it is that you're doing in your business. Paula's a small-time customer for a company like ATS. She She's rented a couple of lenses, maybe two or three or five lenses from them, maybe a camera or two. And yet, every time she rents something from them, she gets a personal handwritten note from them telling her that they hope she enjoys the product, let let them let them know if she has any questions, hand signed by the guy in shipping who actually packed the box, and you can imagine when you're shipping a lens, packing the box is probably the most important job in the whole company. And A lot of times there's a piece of candy taped, hand taped to the, to the note. And it just leaves Paula with this impression that these people at this company, ATS Rentals, really, really care about her and what she's trying to accomplish with her photography. But get this, she's reached out to them on Twitter. They follow her on Twitter. They've put together the fact that with her recent rentals, She's been photographing birds, and I'll put a couple of bird photographs in the show notes so you can check out some of the bird photographs that she's been able to get here recently in Texas with some of the lenses that she's rented from ATS. And they comment on the fact that, you know, we hope you have a good time with this lens, uh, with shooting birds with this lens. And on the last one, they actually drew little pictures of birds on the note. I mean, these are kind of handcrafted thank you notes, basically, to Paula as a customer. This is a fantastic example of, you can call it customer service if you want, but really it's it's remarketing to existing customers. Because for whatever reason they're doing it and the way they do it, you really get the, the feeling that they're doing it because they actually care about customers, but for whatever reason that they're doing it, the marketing result is that Paula's never going to rent a lens from anywhere else. If they have what she needs and it works in terms of the timing for because it has to ship back and forth, it's an online lens rental place, she's going to use ATS for the rest of forever. So my question to you is, what are you doing for your readers or customers or fans that makes them feel like you love them because we feel like ATS Lens Rentals loves us. I mean, that's, that's such an amazing level of customer service. So I challenge you to be more like these guys in the shipping department over at ATS Rentals and do something special for whoever it is you're serving in the marketplace.
1: It's time to get to work. Building your internet business one night at a time. One night at a time.
0: All right, so last week, we had tremendous excitement with Terry Dean, and he told us all kinds of things about email marketing. That's episode 127. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I highly recommend that you check that out from last week. And in that episode, one of the most impactful things that Terry talked about, I thought, was this three-step formula that he describes for email marketing, a recipe for writing great emails. And really what Terry was talking about is email copywriting. And it turns out that copywriting is a super important skill that as an affiliate marketer, you are going to need All the time. You're constantly, we're really talking about persuasive writing. How do we write words that get people to do the things that we need them to do in our business, that we know will be good for them, that will help us make money? Whatever your approach to thinking about this is, how do we write things that will encourage and convince people to take action and particularly the action that we want, these calls to action that we are, as marketers are trying to get people to take. How do we do that effectively? Well, it turns out that copywriting is a, is a long-studied thing that you can read books and books and books about how to write effective copy. And one of my friends, as you know, Ray Edwards is a master copywriter, and we're going to talk about Ray's particular method for writing excellent copy next week. But this week, I wanted to give you 11 of my favorite tips. I've been writing about copywriting for some time because as an affiliate marketer, you need copy if you write ads, anytime you write a headline, if you write a sales page, And if you write a blog post where, for example, you're trying to get someone to click on an affiliate link like you are as an affiliate marketer, you're writing copy. So what I wanted to prepare for you today are 11 simple tips that you can use right now today, something that you can actually internalize and go do to make your copy better today. So let's get into it. Okay, so my first tip is one of the most commonly offered tips in copywriting, and that is to spend time crafting an absolutely killer headline. Why? Because more people are going to read your headline than anything else in your copy. That is the very first thing they're going to read at the top of the page, and that is the thing that's going to either consciously or subconsciously determine whether or not they read the rest of your copy. There's lots of strategies around how to write good headlines about whether or not you should use numbers in your headlines to stop people's eyes about whether you should be benefit focused in your headline. But I just want to say just for you as a quick and simple tip, don't just mail it in when it comes to writing a headline. And here's the test that you can use. If you were to read your headline, your very own headline, would it make you want to see what else is in the article, what's below the headline? And if the answer is no or I don't know, you're not done. Keep writing headlines until you get something that you really like. And here's a bonus tip, a sub-tip for Fantastic Headlines – go ahead and copy any fantastic headlines that you see and jam them in Evernote. We call this a swipe file in marketing. If you see a great headline, someone else's headline, that makes you go, wow, jam that away in Evernote. And then when it's time to write a great headline, you can scan that file and use it for inspiration. And we're not talking about stealing and using exactly the other people's headline, but when it comes time and you need ideas, You can be inspired about why a headline about a recipe for fixing your plantar fasciitis, why that headline inspires you to write a great headline about how to improve your tennis serve. Another test that I always hear about whether or not you've actually got a great headline is if you were to put your headline and your phone number only in a classified ad in a newspaper, just those two things. And publish that thing in the back of the New York Times or wherever, would people call you? That's a great idea. If you're, you know, if if your headline's really good, people would be picking up the phone. If you're not there yet, work a little harder on your headline. I think the second tip for me that I want to give for you to improve your copywriting is tell stories. It's so important that you develop this skill of telling stories in your copy, whether it's blog posts or email. And Terry Dean yesterday or last week, he hit this really hard. In fact, his major strategy for email marketing that he shared with you yesterday was to start every email with some kind of story, something to draw the reader in. This is a really important idea because... Stories are not only engaging, but they're also entertaining. And having a story there will draw your reader in and help get them through the copy, which will give you an opportunity to make whatever points you need to make and do whatever marketing that you need to do. If your copy is not engaging, people are not going to read it. And the easiest way to engage people is to tell stories. And so that is... Number 2. Okay, so tip number 3 and I feel strongly about this one as well, inject your personality into your copy. Just like it's important that you tell a story, I think it's important that you tell that story with some color that comes from and is informed by your your own actual life. People identify with that and it makes your copy seem real and trustworthy when you take the time to actually let your personality come through in your copy. Brand personality for whatever it is that you're doing is one of the things that helps you form your unique place, your unique selling proposition, your unique voice in the marketplace. And so it's really important that you go ahead and inject a little or in some cases if if that's if it really fits well with your offer and the thing you're trying to communicate, maybe a lot. Of your personality into your copy. And you know, one thing about this is a lot of times, if I talk about injecting personality into copy, people will say, Well, Mark, what if people don't like me? Here I am putting my personality into something. And what if people don't resonate with my personality and they don't like me? And I tell you, this is actually can be a good thing because when you put your personality into your copy, one of the things that you're doing is you're down selecting the people reading your copy to the people that know, like, and trust you. And let me tell you, those are the people that are most likely to buy from you. And so your question, your next question, the obvious question is, well, if I only talk to the people that actually like me and want to buy from me, what if there aren't enough of those? And to that I say, Man, that is the magic of the Internet. That is one of the things that makes online business so amazing because with the billions of people in the world, you only need to find the very few of them, the very tiniest percentage of them that will know, like, and trust you and actually want to buy your product, whatever it is, whatever you're writing copy for. They're out there, and the Internet makes it possible, unlike 50 years ago, for you to easily find them. You don't need to put a sign up on a telephone pole anymore to find people. You're on the Internet, and so you can afford to find the people that really resonate with your message and your personality. So stick that personality into your copy. Now, here's an age-old copywriting tip that you will hear from literally every copywriter on the planet And that is, make sure you're appealing to people's emotion. And it doesn't matter whether that emotion is fear or greed or jealousy or insecurity. Whatever it is, whatever emotion that people are feeling related to the thing that you're trying to sell, make sure you tap into that and connect with what it is that your reader is feeling when they think about Solving the problem that is solved by whatever it is that you're offering them. It's very important. You need to amplify that so that they can understand that what you have to sell is important and and what the benefit will be whenever you solve their problem. And by benefit in this case, I mean the emotional relief or the emotional, the feeling that they're going to realize whether it be a feeling of satisfaction or, or what have you, when they actually use your product. You know, I think when we write copy, we have this tendency to want to construct a logical argument about why someone should take the action that we're advocating that they take. And that's fine. I think you do want to do that, but you, you can't just make it about the logical reasons to buy this thing. Sometimes we buy the car not because of its four-star safety rating. We buy it because we love the way it looks or we like the way it feels when we're driving it or maybe we like the way other people see us when they see us driving it. All of those things are emotional things and, and those are real. People really have those emotions and you want to tap into those so that you can help people solve those emotions with whatever it is that you're offering. Now, the fifth tip I want to offer you is to make sure that your copy looks good visually. And, and by looks good, I don't necessarily mean that it's super fancy and looks amazing like you've had a, an artist design your copy. What I mean is that it works well for people's eyes. Some of the ugliest copy in the world has been some of the most successful So I'm not really talking about making sure you have beautiful pictures embedded in your copy. Rather, what I'm talking about is, is your copy constructed visually so that it pulls people through it? Is there plenty of white space? Is it a good font that's easy to read? Does it have nice lists and other kind of itemized things in it that people can scan and skim, including headings? and subheadings, and maybe visual cues like a few arrows here and there that kind of draw people down through the copy so that their eyes keep moving down the page They get the, and they get to the information that you want them to get to. Look, if they TLDR your copy too long, didn't read, you probably see this on the Internet, TL semicolon DR, if they do that to your copy, then the chances that you're going to convert them to whatever action it is that you're trying to convert them to, is those, those chances aren't very high. So you need to make sure that it's not exhausting to read your copy. And the best way to do that is to make sure that it's set up visually so that it's easy to skim, easy to get from point to point through the copy, and that it's visually appealing. Step number six is make sure you're talking your customer's language. You know, if you're a doctor and you're trying to sell something to patients, you want to make sure that you're using the language that's appropriate for patients. Don't roll up in there with your copywriting and start using words that your patients don't understand or don't use. That won't work. By a similar token, if you're a marketer and you don't have experience in the basketball niche and you're trying to sell something that's related to basketball, you better make sure that you understand the kinds of words that people use when they're talking about basketball. It's important to persuade people in that way so that they'll identify with the copy that you're writing, but it also goes to this idea of authority. And you might say, well, Mark, I'm a marketer. I don't know. I can't be an expert in the language of all the different kinds of things that I actually am trying to promote. And to this, I say, oh, yes, you can. And not only can you, but you must. If you're a copywriter for hire, you need to spend time interviewing your client to understand everything that you can understand about the product and then go interview their customers. And if you're the client, if you're writing copy for yourself, you need to spend time with your customers, whether it's by a survey, whether it's getting on the phone with them, talk to them. And when they use language around why they buy something or what made them interested in in your product to begin with or what they really like about the product, what the product does for them, they'll use specific words and those specific words You need to make sure they show up in your copy. So tip number six is make sure you're speaking their language. Use the words that your customers use in your copy. Now tip number seven is another age-old one that you've heard many times, but I really want to bring this home. You have got to focus on the benefit. Look, like the car before, I know it's got a 17-point anti-lock braking system. That's the feature. Okay, It's got advanced technology, this, uh, for braking, and it's got this collision avoidance, this. That's the feature, okay? 17 microprocessors will make sure that you avoid a collision. That's a feature. The benefit is it keeps you and your children alive when it's raining outside and you didn't see that car going through the intersection. It stops the car. That's the benefit. You get to live that's the benefit. The feature was this thousand point engineering plan that brought that particular car item, that anti lock braking system, the collision avoidance system into existence. That's the feature. Okay. All the engineering that went into that, that's the amazing feature. The fact that it has a cool blinky red light on the dash whenever it's working, that's the feature. The benefit is your kids are still alive. And so when you write copy, you got to focus on the benefits. That's what sells. It's how people are going to feel when they use your product. It's the pain that they're no longer going to have when they use your product. It's the thing that they're going to be able to do that they could never do before when they, when they use your product. Those are the benefits. The features are how they get there. And you need to talk about the features in your copy, but you need to focus on the benefits. Number eight is make sure your copy has intrinsic value. By that, it means make sure that when you're writing copy, especially long-form copy, that your customers feel like they're already getting something. This is true whether you're doing very long-form copy like a webinar, a video sales letter, a regular sales letter, anything where there's actually room to deliver value, go ahead and Deliver value inside the copy. It makes the copy more engaging and it makes the prospect feel like they can trust you. Now, number nine is actually a, a tip that has also been around for a long time, and you'll see salespeople do this on television and in infomercials. And if you've ever gone to buy a car, you'll you'll see that when salespeople and marketers are asking you questions they will ask you a series of questions to get you say, to say yes over and over again. And the idea is by getting you to say yes to several things in a row, this is going to get you some yes momentum to get you to say yes when it's time to make the purchase. So this is sort of a copywriting psychology kind of thing. You can see this in real life if you see someone speaking persuasively once they've got the audience nodding yes during their presentation, that audience is hooked and engaged. They're they're buying whatever it is that the speaker is selling. You want that same kind of nodding nodding audience effect in your copy when you write your copy to get your readers to say yes. Now Skeptical people, people with uh, scarcity mentalities around the issue of selling, a lot of times they'll say, well, that's manipulative. Using people's psychology against them in order to get them to buy, that's very manipulative. You shouldn't do that. And that's a separate show for a separate episode where we can talk about these kinds of limiting beliefs and how they might be holding you back in your marketing. But let me address this one of psychology uh, right away. What I'm saying is, if you're offering something that will help someone, whatever that is, a cure for plantar fasciitis, you've got something that you know will really help people and it's in an ebook for $29.95. And these people are legitimately in pain. They've been paying or maybe they're unable to pay hundreds of dollars, a hundred dollars a visit for physical therapy to solve their plantar fasciitis and you've got an ebook that will solve that for them, and you're trying to sell that online, okay? You are actually trying to help people and deliver value in your business. And I've told you a million times at least that I think in order to have a legitimate business, you really need to be delivering value. All I'm suggesting is you do that in the most effective way possible because you are not proposing a one-way value extraction between you and, And your prospective customer, you're not saying, Hey, give me your money and I'll not give you anything in return. Hopefully, what you're doing is you've got this business where you're going to deliver massive value and people are going to happily exchange money for that value that you just gave. So, being effective in how you cause that transaction to happen, there's nothing unethical about that. And again, that's a whole nother podcast episode, and I'll get down off my soapbox about that. So, tip number nine is ask some questions of your reader and get them in a mode to say yes, yes, yes. So, when it comes time to buy, they say yes. And <laughs> tip number 10, it makes me laugh because a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about calls to action, but it's really simple. You know, in marketing, you got to make sure that you ask for the sale. So, tip number 10 is include a strong call to action. You can't leave it to their imagination about what they're supposed to do next. You want them to mash the button right now so they can start understanding the benefits of what it is that you have to offer immediately. That's your call to action. And for me, in this episode, my call to action in just a minute is going to be for you to take a couple of these tips and to make one of your blog posts better or something where you've got a call to action go make it better. That's going to be my call to action for you because that will allow you to achieve more success. You've got to know what your call to action is and make sure that you are making a very direct and specific call to action that doesn't leave it to the prospect's imagination. A lot of people in marketing, especially when they're first starting out, are afraid to ask for the sale because somehow in their past history, they've been told that selling is slimy or that they they should feel guilty for selling or it makes them feel like a used car salesman look if you're delivering value you want to get that to as many people as possible if you've got a cure for cancer you want to cure as many people as possible now i know you're probably not marketing a cure for cancer but really it's just a matter of scale okay you are marketing something that helps people, that delivers value. You want to help as many people as possible. It's really that simple. And in order to do that, you need to ask them to take the action that you need them to take. So my final tip for today is that you need to organize your writing with a formula. If you're writing copy of any kind, you need to be following some kind of well-thought-out formula in that copy. Now, Terry Dean last week, he offered you a formula where he talked about telling a story for the hook, delivering value, and then having a call to action at the end of the email. Essentially, it was a three-step formula. And that that's kind of similar to Dan Kennedy's old formula, the old um, problem stir things up, offer the solution kind of formula that Dan Kennedy used to offer called pass. I think it was a problem agitate solution that he taught for many years. You know, in that case you're operating on the idea that people are going to act to make sure that they get out of whatever pain that they're in. So you make sure you tell them you you remind them of what their problem is, you agitate around that problem and kind of in a sympathetic way say, yeah, this is a really bad problem. This this extra weight that you're carrying, it's keeping you from playing with your kids. It's going to mean that you don't live long enough to see your grandkids graduate from college, whatever, um, and make sure that, that that pain is is put in front of people. And then you offer a solution to solve that pain. That's Dan Kennedy's method. Whatever your method is, you need to have one. Now, as it happens, I mentioned Ray Edwards at the beginning of the show, He's got an absolutely amazing formula for this that I think is much better and much more broadly applicable than Dan Kennedy's past formula. We're going to talk about that next week, okay? There's not enough time to talk about that this week, but I'm going to teach you a way to think about copywriting next week that's going to help you based on uh, Ray Edwards' stuff that he does. So those are your 11 tips for copywriting. You need to make sure you've got a killer headline. You got to get their attention. And then once you have their attention, you want to number two, tell an engaging story. And number three, do that with some personality. Make sure your personality is injected into that story. And while you've got their attention, Make sure you're activating and appealing to their emotions. That's tip number four. Really get them involved with what it is that you're trying to talk about and in the future that you're trying to show them. While they're reading, you need to make sure that they keep reading. So tip number five is you need to make sure that your copy is visually appealing. It has nice visual cues and bullets and lots of white space so they don't get exhausted reading your copy. And in that copy, you need to make sure, tip number six, that you're speaking the customer's language using the words that they actually use. It gives you credibility and keeps people engaged. And as you're describing the thing that you're driving, you're you're delivering, tip number seven is make sure you're focusing on the benefits of that thing, not just the features. And in your copy, tip number eight is to go ahead and deliver value right there in the copy. It'll help people trust you and give them a a good feeling to go forward with whatever transaction it is that you're proposing. Tip number nine, ask micro questions. Get people to take micro actions that get them to yes. Tip number 10 is make sure you're asking that final question that you need a yes to, which is your strong call to action. And finally, tip number 11 is organize your writing with a formula. And that's, that formula is something that we're going to talk about next week. In the meantime, I really like the two formulas that we've already talked about on the show. One is the one from Terry Dean, where you tell a story, you do some teaching, and then you have a call to action. The other one is the Dan Kennedy formula of you highlight a problem, you make that problem big, and then you solve it. Um, those two methods are really good methods, depending on what it is that you're doing. I'm going to give you a more comprehensive thing next week. For now, what I want you to do is to take just one of these tips, just one, if you're an overachiever, you can do two, and go look at one of your most important blog posts, one of your most important sales pages, one of the places where you really want something, where you really want someone to do something. Maybe it's the Copy in the sidebar opt-in for your email newsletter. Maybe it's a Facebook ad, but probably it's long-form copy where you're recommending an affiliate product and make sure that you apply one of these tips to that post before we talk next week. Just take one small action to make sure that a little something, a little piece of copy in your business is a little better this week. Just one thing, and my work here will be done. Okay, thank you very much for tuning in. Like I said, next week I will be hanging with you talking about a method, a framework you can use for every piece of copy that you write. It works for every time you put pen to paper, so to speak, or fingers to keyboard, and you've got copy to write. We'll be talking about that next week. Until next time. Peace out.
1: You can do it right when it's late at night. You've been listening to the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. Be sure to visit
0: latenightpodcast.com today to leave feedback for Mark. Download special bonus content, access the show notes, and more. See you there. Until
1: then, Until then go and make some great progress on your internet business. One night at a time. One night
0: at a time. Hey, so last week I promised you I would tell you about my Valentine's Day adventures. So that was so cool. My wife and I, uh, you know, I decided as the man in the relationship. How sexist is this going to be? What's Mark going to say? Um, I decided, you know, I'm the Valentine's Day guy in this relationship. So I'm going to be, do the Valentine's Day thing. So I got us a babysitter to keep the kids. Valentine's Day, of course, fell on a Tuesday here. Um, and for those of you internationally, Valentine's Day, of course, is this holiday where it's really a, what we call a greeting card holiday where everyone in the whole United States buys flowers and greeting cards for the significant other that in whom, whom they're in a relationship with, with whom they're in a relationship. Sorry. If you, you uh, grammar nerds out there with whom they are in a relationship, you, you go and you do these things and have romantic uh, engagement with whoever it is that you're so inclined to do that with. For me, that's my wife. And so we made nice we made reservations at a really nice steak restaurant here in the Dallas area called Texas. I had never been there before, but the restaurant that I wanted to go to that I wanted to take my wife to way back in January was already booked for um, for Valentine's Day. I don't know exactly what was going on there or how that was even possible because it was like six weeks in advance. So, I went on Open Table and I looked for restaurants in, in my general area, which is the north side of Dallas. And I found this restaurant, Texas, and it had great reviews. And it was basically casual, fine dining. So, it's um, upscale casual. So, it wasn't super dressy. And so, it, and it was a steak place, which sounded great to us. So, we went there and we could not have been more impressed with this place called Texas. So we get there, and one thing that impressed, impressed me so much, there was live music, and, and I don't mean like a, a rock and roll band. I mean, there was live music kind of off in the background, a guy playing saxophone, a solo saxophonist, and this is a nice place with tablecloths, you know, kind of a steak restaurant sort of place. But the waitstaff was super laid back. They didn't have this air about them that a lot of times you'll find at high-end steak restaurants here in Texas where, you know, they're kind of snobby. These people were really nice and just fun, and we were laughing with the waitstaff and cracking up. About three-quarters of the way through our meal, we were almost finished with dessert, I guess, Um and it had just had the most amazing meal, We're just totally thrilled with this place, Texas, we actually, a guy in a crushed velvet jacket comes up to our table, and it turns out he is a magician, a professional close magic magician. Now, sometimes I don't want this extra guy. It's kind of like when the balloon-tying guy comes up to your table when you have your kids, and you're like, oh, God, get this guy out of here. This guy was super cool and he just had that personality where we we weren't we we didn't immediately want to tell him to go away. So he wanted to show us a card trick. He stayed at our table for a while doing these card tricks and one trick was so amazing and I still can't figure out how he did it. I know a lot about magic. I did a little magic when I was a kid. I know how most of these tricks work. I know how this trick must work. He I saw him do it twice right in front of my eyes. I could not figure out how he did it. He had my wife pick a card out of the deck, pick a card, any card, you know, he fanned it out and then he pulled the card out and he handed me the card. He said, you know, look at the card, but don't show it to me. I said, fine. And then he handed me a Sharpie and he said, now write your name and your wife's name on the card. So I drew on the card and I handed him back the Sharpie and the card. And then the first thing he did was make the Sharpie disappear, which was really funny. And then he took the card, and he put it back in, and he shuffled it, and he had me cut the deck, everything just like you you would normally see on television. And then he made this big show. He fans out the card, and he makes this big show about not being able to find the card. And he was very convincing, and Paula and I were kind of like, okay, this guy's a failure. And, And then he said, oh, wait a minute. And he goes and he pulls his wallet out of his back pocket. Now, I mean, this guy is literally two feet from me, maybe, maybe more like 18 inches. Okay. I'm sitting at a little four top dinner table with my wife. We're kind of next to each other on one side of the table. And he's in the third position on the table doing this card trick. Right. So, I mean, we're right on top of this guy. He reaches in his back pocket and he pulls out his wallet and he opens his wallet up and there's a zipper compartment in his wallet. He unzips the zipper compartment and reaches inside. Again, right in front of me. He pulls a playing card out of the zipper pocket and there is a playing card in there that has been folded over twice. So it's in quarters. He unfolds this playing card and there's my card. The card that I just wrote on with my handwriting in Sharpie. I do not know how he did that, but he did it so well that he came back later as we were paying the check and did the same trick again, and I still couldn't figure it out. Unbelievable. Now, if you're ever in the Dallas area and you need to reach this guy, the magician's name is Sam Sawyers. I'll have a link to his uh, page in the show notes where you can reach this guy, Sam the Magic Man. Truly incredible, available for parties. If you want to reach out to this guy and tell him you heard about him uh, and that you want to use him for some reason for your corporate event, he comes highly recommended by me. Great personality. Truly an amazing close-up magician. I was blown away. Highly recommended. Ciao.
1: Late night internet, Hey, it's Mark again. I wanted to tell you one more time about this absolutely free resource that I have for helping people who are trying to get the big picture for internet marketing actually get started and understand what all their choices are. If that's not you, there's no more content. You can skip to the end. But if you're someone who came to this podcast because you're searching for how to get started online and you just can't cut through all the noise, I get it. That was me. In 2007, when I was trying to get started, there were so many people throwing offers at me that I really couldn't even understand what all the different business models were. I couldn't understand how money moved around on the internet, and I couldn't really get a grip on what direction I wanted to go in so I could figure out how to move forward. I've created a free video resource for you just for that purpose at latenightim.com forward slash Explain. In several short videos, I just explained to you what internet marketing is all about and what online business is all about and the different options that you have for starting an online business. There's nothing to buy there. You just sign up for access and you get the videos just like that. So if that's interesting to you, or if you know someone who's in a same situation, send them that link, latenightim.com forward slash explain. And let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what people are thinking that are in the exact same position that I was in more than a decade ago in 2007. In some ways, it seems like yesterday. And in some ways, it seems like an entire lifetime ago. Again, that's late night. forward slash explain late night. Internet marketing.